Welcome to the SJBC Sunday Morning Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by our senior pastor, Dr. Richard Carver. For more podcasts, videos, and information on our church, please visit mysjbc.org. invite you to join me. <clears throat> losing my voice. I invite you to join me in uh, Psalm 46, page 455 there in your pew Bible. We begin a new series of sermons today. Entitled, God that He Is. And we're going to spend several weeks thinking about what God is to us <clears throat> and, and how we relate to Him. I was recently told about a gentleman who began his day in prayer and he wanted to approach God in a very most humble way. And he told God, he said, God, thank you that I haven't sinned today. Thank you that I haven't cussed at co-workers. Thank you that I haven't beat my wife. Thank you that I haven't humiliated my children. Thank you that I haven't broken the speed limit. Thank you that I haven't been unkind to people in the line waiting on me. Thank you that I didn't steal from my company. Father, thank you that, that I haven't done anything today that would disappoint you. And now that I'm about to get out of bed, <laughs> that's what being God's refuge is not. Today, the pages of our Bible tell us a give us a beautiful portrait in detail about God's character. And we often spend time thinking about God's holiness and God's justice and righteousness and sovereignty, and certainly God is those things. And we're going to touch on that a little bit today. But we want to think about the aspects of God that maybe aren't talked about often enough. That He is our protector, our provider, our forgiver, that He is worthy of our gratitude, that and those kinds of things. And perhaps the most outstanding feature of God's character is that he is a loving father to all believers and he loves his children deeply and sincerely and God by nature is completely good there is nothing about God or in God that is not good matter of fact his goodness is unmatched there's nothing like or that can compare to the goodness of God and because God's goodness is so exceptional and far beyond everything else we can trust him and we can trust him explicitly. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. I mean, that's a powerful promise. And a powerful testimony of, of, a per, of Nahum's experience. And of the nation of Israel's experience with God. Second Peter, or Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1. That his divine power, speaking of God, has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God is good. God is all, always has our best interests at heart. And, and that's why that we're so sure that in every detail of our lives that God has and will continue to work to work it into something good. Everything God does is an expression of his goodness and is designed to benefit his people and to bring him glory. Everything that God does. And in that, God's holiness is unequal. I mean, God's holiness, one day we'll see it. And I can't wait until that day. 
But nothing and no one is holy like God. And yet, as people who are not holy, as holy as God, we're invited into his presence as his children. We're invited to come to him. I mean, there's no rock mountain like our God. There's no stain of evil or impurity in God. He's light without any darkness. And he's love. He's good. He's holy. And he exists in a state of moral perfection. That's our God. And he's in that state of moral perfection for all eternity. Eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. And in that state of moral perfection, God sacrificed his son on the altar of the world to clear the world of the accumulated sin that had been accumulating since the time of Adam and Eve. We have faith in him that sets us free. And God decided on this course of action that he would bring redemption to the world. He brought that in full view of the world to see, all the world to see. And he set the world in in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of his son Jesus, and he took care of the sins that he had so patiently endured. And God's just. He's perfectly upright and fair in how he treats his creation, including you. Everything about your life, when it comes to God's relationship with you, is fair. Now certainly we experience unfair things in life, but that's not coming from God. God is always fair. He's perfectly upright. But God's not finished. You're still alive. Even after your death, he's still not finished. God's waiting around to be gracious to us. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. Scripture tells us that, that God's eyes roam to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are bent toward him. Bend your heart. Allow it to be bent. Allow God to draw you. And he's gathering strength to, to show mercy to you in every facet of your life. He takes the time to do everything right, and that's absolutely everything. And those who wait around for him, we're the lucky ones. Because Romans 8, 28 says God is working. He's working in my life. He's working in your life. He's working in the life of our church family. God's loving, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's kind and merciful. And all of these are central descriptions of God's character. And he deserves our gratitude. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to explore those. What it means for God to be a forgiver. That's next week. And what's it mean that God separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west to be cast in the sea and to be remembered? No, what do those kind of things mean? So kind-hearted and caring is God. The scripture says in 1 John that God is love. Love is God. God is love. Everything about God is love. The psalmist describes God in Psalm 86 as compassionate and gracious and abounding in love and faithfulness. And so great is God's love for us that he gave his son, his one and only son. And he did that so that no one, none of us would ever need to be destroyed. He gave his son so that we might have eternal life. And by believing in him, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we have a whole and lasting life in our relationship with God that lasts for eternity. And that's 
God's grace and mercy and compassion. And they never fail. They always work. They always uphold. And, and they're renewed continually toward us day in and day out. And that's another part of God's character. That God, he is faithful. We'll explore that in the coming weeks. You know, we have struggles and we have failures. But God is faithful to forgive us when we confess our sin and return to him. We'll explore God's forgiveness next week. In times when we stumble and fall, it's immensely encouraging to know that God will never leave us. He'll never abandon us. That God is ever present. We'll explore that in the coming weeks. What does it mean that God is ever present? And what a gift we're living in the truth. God is truthful. His word is true. And even when we're utterly unfaithful, God remains faithful and true because that's who God is. What does it mean to say that God is faithful? It's God's character to be faithful to his children. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. He's truthful. His word is true. The Son of God came so that we might recognize and understand the truth of God. And what a gift we we're living in the truth itself in God's Son and Jesus Christ today as we know Him as our Savior. And this Jesus is both true God and real life. God and His word, they form a trustworthy foundation for life. In God, there is no falsehood. There's no lies. There's no deception. What God says is absolutely reliable. And the only way you'll know what he says is if you're reading what he has said. It's not in a book that someone else has written. It's this right here in these pages. I mean, what God says is absolutely reliable. His word is consistent with his character and the revelation that he has given us of himself. And because of God's character, we can count on him to fulfill his promises. And that's why he deserves our gratitude. He's patient. He's long-suffering. Those are God's character. I'm grateful that God is slow to anger. I'm grateful that he deals patiently with rebellious sinners because I are one. God was patient in delaying the flood in Noah's time. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but Noah took 140 years to build the ark. Why did it take so long? I mean, God could have supplied the material and, and the labor in such a way that it could have been completed in just a few weeks. Why did God allow the building of the ark to take so long? Well, God was giving those sinners plenty of time to repent. Because during those years that Noah was building, he was also preaching, repent. Because the judgment of God is coming. You know, likewise, in prolonging Christ's return, God's not slow. God's not hesitating on his part. The delay in Christ's return is a delay in God's is a demonstration of God's long suffering of his patience. God is giving our world a chance to repent. Because once Christ returns, it's the tribulation. God doesn't want anyone to die without the opportunity to repent 
to be saved and to enter his family. And at the heart of God's character is his desire to be a father to all who would draw near to him. So the more deeply we dig into the scriptures, the more we'll begin to uncover new and beautiful facets about God's character. And that's what we'll be doing over the coming weeks. And the longer we spend time with him and in his word, the better we'll know and understand God's nature. And we'll discover that God never changes. These character traits that we've learned about God over the coming weeks, that's his character every day of the week, every week of the year, every year in eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. That he is all-knowing, all-powerful, always present everywhere. That he's perfect, that he's three in one. I mean, we could spend a lifetime seeking after God and to know God. And in spending a lifetime, we would still only just scratch the surface of God, who, comprehending who God is. So today we're in Psalm 46. 40, Psalm 46 is a description of God, and it's a wonderful promise that we can live by based upon God's character, and that is that God, he is our refuge. So join me, page 455 there in your pew Bible, Psalm chapter 46. And I apologize, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> Stephanie asked me, is anything wrong? I couldn't sing earlier because I was losing my voice. I wanted to save it for this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That means that there's... Whatever trouble you have, God's right there with you in that trouble. He's ever present. He's present always. Verse 2 says, therefore, since God is our strength, since God is our refuge, since God is an ever-present help in our struggles, what does that say? Therefore, we will not fear. David's talking about other people. Or the psalmist here is talking about other people. We. He didn't say, I will not fear. See, we're all in this together. All of us who have committed our lives to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and wanting to advance God and His kingdom in, in this place. And he says, therefore, we will not fear. And these next things that we read about are happening to us. He says, therefore, the... Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. If we could summarize Psalm 46 in just a sentence, we could say that God is our safe place in which to hide. You need a safe place? I mean, everybody has a safe place in their home when the storms hit. If you live in an apartment, you go to an interior room, you go in the bathroom, and you get in your bathtub. 
If you live in a house, you go in where the, the walls are the closest to your closet or someplace in the interior part of your home. If you have a basement, then you head to your basement. If you're homeless, you take your car and leave town. You know, but we all have a safe place that we go to when the storm hits. At least we think it's safe. But there's really only true safe place. And that's Psalm 46 tells us that it's the Lord, that he is our safe place in which to hide, ready to help when we need him. Now, in truth, we stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom. We can stand courageous on a storm-tossed sea. This passage says that we can stand fearless in the face of an earthquake. And all those things, our natural response is in verse 2. Therefore, we will not be afraid. We will not fear. In Psalm 46, we find descriptions of various kinds of disasters. We've all had disasters hit us. But there's disasters here. and There's chaos that mark our existence in this broken and sinful world. And so the psalmist lists natural disasters like earthquakes and volcanoes and landslides and floods. Elements of war and violence where he says that nations are in an uproar in verses 8 and 9. But through it all, he says in verse 2, we will not fear. Why? Because God's our refuge. He's our hiding place. The various distresses that the psalmist lists are an opportunity for us to take note of God's help. He says that he is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in troubled times. See, in the hardships of life, we need safety and we need rest. Our world's unstable, you know that. And it's becoming more unstable all the time. And that's okay because we're nearing the end. You know, the calendar, I've said it umpteen times, it's not a count up, it's a countdown. We're running out of days. Every day that we live is one day closer to the return of Christ. Every day that we live is one day closer to hearing that trumpet sound and him saying, get on up here. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to get on up there. I've got him in my heart as Savior and Lord. And the, the, the distresses that psalmist lists help us take note of how God has been a refuge in our life, how he's been a strength in our life, how he's been an ever-present help in our life whenever there's been trouble. Because... In this life, we find safety and rest in God. But our life in God, even though the world is in chaos, it's established and secure. No matter what happens in this world, God will be exalted. And those who are His will be safe because He is our refuge. And that gives us security. I was reading an article this week about uh, the nets under high, high wire walkers. And they asked this one high wire walker, how was he able to do so many stunts? And he says, because I have a net. And the news reporter said, but you've never fallen. He said, I have never fallen because I have a net. He said, I don't understand. He said, the net's down there. How has the net kept you from falling? How has the net allowed you to excel in all these acrobatic feats that you've done throughout the course of your life? He said, well, he said, that net to me is security. He said, I know that, that if I slip and fail, I'm all, slip and fall, I'm okay because the net's going to catch me. It's there. He said, just last week, I did a quadruple somersault, 20 stories up. He said, that net is what allowed me to even attempt to do that. 
because I knew I was going to be safe. When Scripture tells us that God is our refuge, it's like being on that high wire. It allows us to live life in faith that, that we can dare to dream obedient, to be obedient. We can be obedient because God's right there to catch us should we fall. We can dare to be adventurous in our going out into the world to share the gospel because if we mess up, God's right there to catch us if we fall. He's our safety and our security. Every day, we're in God's hands. We can be still and know that He is God every day of our life. I mean, every doctor visit, every challenge, every meeting is an opportunity to trust the refuge, to trust the net, that God is right there. Verses 2 and 3 go along with verses 8 and 9 to describe disasters. Have you had any disasters lately? I mean, things that kind of just shook your world. And there's disasters li listed here. But in verses 1, 4, and 7, and 10, 11, the psalmist describes as God's power and safety in the midst of those difficulties. You've all had tragedies hit your life. We could go around the room and list them. Unexpected interruptions that caught you off guard. The trouble we experience, what this is telling us, is bookended, is bracketed by God's promises. That at the beginning of our day, at the end of our day, whatever happens during the day, it's bookended by God's protection. That He's our refuge. That these are promises that we can cling to. In these verses about the difficulties of life, they're surrounded by verses about the power and the safety of our God. Notice that he starts off talking about God as our refuge and he ends up talking about God as our security. All those things that happen in the middle in the Psalm 46 are bookended by God's power and protection. Now that's an amazing picture for us because that's where we live every day of our life. And we don't know if we're going to have tomorrow morning. I mean, we plan for tomorrow morning because we have calendars. We intend to do things the next day because we plan menus and we want to do stuff and go places. I mean, on the 16th, we're going on a trip down the Ohio River, so we plan to do that. But you know what? None of us might not, we might, none of us might be here. And who knows? We never know what tomorrow holds. But in between the now and the then, when life is happening, all of that is bookended. By God's power, His grace, and His mercy. And so we get this image from Psalm 46 that if God's power is here and God's security is here and our life is in between, where are we at? We're right between the palms of His hands. We've all witnessed a mother and father who hugs and comforts a fearful or upset child. God surrounds us and protects us in our difficulty. And the psalmist wants us to know that. And he gives no indication that, that God, he doesn't remove us from the difficulty. I mean, the difficulty is also happening between his bookends. God's here, an ever-present help, and all that stuff that's happening in between on Psalm 47, 46, that's bookended by his power and grace and mercy. All of that is still happening with under, within God's watchful eye. See, God will protect us and glorify himself in the midst of any difficulty that his children have because he is our refuge. And him being our refuge means that he provides safety. And when we take shelter in our relationship with him, he becomes our strength for whatever is happening in our life. That's who God is. 
He is our strength and our refuge when we need it most. There is no other source for that. God gives us the power we need to endure the hardships as we serve for Him, live for Him, fight spiritual battles as we resist temptations, we bear up under persecution. See, we're weak, but He's strong. He's never not strong. God is always an ever-present help in trouble. He's always close at hand. God is never far away from His children. He's always just right there. Just reach out your hand of faith. He's just right there. Just as you would reach out and take the hand of a loved one who's seated next to you, he's right there. He's nearby to assist us in life and in the tasks he's given us. So here are some points of application, a chance for you to be coachable, for me to be coachable. That I want you to take home with you. There are two groups in Psalm 46. I don't know if you caught that or not. I didn't catch it in my first reading, but there are two different groups of people in, in Psalm 46. There are a group of people who are protected by the Lord because he starts off in verse 1 and 2 that says, He's our, our refuge and our strength. But when you get to verses 3 and 4, you realize that there's another group of people. There's a group of people who are experiencing hardships, they're having earthquakes. Mountains rising up, foam coming up from the ocean. That's because the waves are crashing so hard. So th there's a group of people who are protected. And there's a group of people who are going through a whole lot of stuff unprotected. One group is protected by the Lord, and the other group fights against the Lord. Here's the truth. If we would experience God's protection, then we've got to belong to him. The way that we belong to God is placing our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you have never intentionally said, I'm making my Lord and Savior, then you're part of the other group, the group fighting against the Lord. The question is, have you been saved by God through believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and to have eternal life? Can you truly say, God is my refuge? Now, true peace won't come until we're in the city of God, verse 4, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And so we know that that happens after our death or after the rapture. That means that in this world, we're going to experience some hurt. We're going to get pricked along the way. We're going to get some thorns along the way. Eventually, we're going to die. There's going to be a day, and we have to face it, we're going to breathe our last breath. All of us, regardless of how young we are or old we are, our days are a countdown. A countdown, not a count up. Every day that we live, we have one less day to live. You know, I was thinking this week about the car show this weekend and all the street rods that were fascinating to look at. We didn't go, but I got to watch it on the news, see it on television, friends of mine that put cars in and and got to see their cars, you know, on Facebook and, and other social media platforms and, and seeing what's going on out there in the world with all these fancy cars. And, and I was convicted. I was sitting in my chair and I was flipping through some of those pictures. I got a friend that lives on Knob Creek that owns a Mustang and he always puts a lot of his pictures on there. And I was looking at his car, not not, not big, but back here on Blevins Gap. I was looking through his pictures. I thought, you know, if I took care of my body as well as he took care of his car, I'd live to be 200. 
And I began to think, you know, I only got one body. This is the only one I got. I can't trade it in. I can't swap it out. Uh, you can swap out parts. We know that. You know, you can get different parts from other people who have lost their whole body, and so they've donated their parts to people who still have bodies that are functioning. And so you can get other parts. You can get eyes and ears and throats and kidneys and livers and lungs and all sorts of other things from other people. But you only have one body. You know, if we took care of ourselves physically as well as we took care of our cars or our homes, wouldn't that be something? And then the Lord kind of like knocked on my heart and said, how about spiritually? I said, well, come on, God, that's not fair. I'm a preacher. You can't ask me that. He said, to me, through the Holy Spirit, how you take care of, how you taking care of yourself spiritually? You know, you only got one life. Do you take better care of your physical body than you do of your spiritual life? Now that's a fair question. Because he's my refuge and he's my strength. God's ultimate goal is that we glorify him. Eventually we're going to die. But in the midst of all, God is working everything out for our good. And those who belong to God, even the bad stuff becomes good in the end because we're eternally safe. And so even though one day we will die and breathe our last breath, the ultimate goal is to exalt and glorify God. Really, that's our purpose in life, is to bring God glory, because in holding Him high and lifted up through our own life, we, He might draw other men and women and boys and girls to Himself. And so for us, it's to rest in His protection during the difficult times in life, and then we'll show the goodness and power of God to a watching world. And you better believe they're watching no matter what happens, to trust Him. Even if things don't seem to turn out as you would like, remember that we're not home yet. We're on our way, but we're not there yet. A few years ago, a hurricane hit the Gulf of Mexico. and You may have watched it as I did, that the Exxon, the oil rig they had out there, began to twist in that storm as it ravaged the Gulf of Mexico. I didn't realize this at the time, but all of those oil rigs have... Uh, escape hatches. You're thinking, well, why would you want to escape out into the ocean? All of those oil rigs, in, in case of a fire or in this case a hurricane, they're all rigged with this bullet-shaped boat or vessel or device that it's it's like a roller on a roller coaster rail and it's high up on the on this oil rig on this platform and this bullet-shaped object. It flies down this rail and shoots out into the ocean away from the rig if it's on fire, if it's about to collapse. And inside this device are a bunch of seat belts. And so the idea is that all the people on this rig, whenever the rig becomes imperiled, that they all climb into this vessel, this device, they strap on their seat belts and then they hit the lever and it shoots them out away from the oil rig, out into the middle of the Gulf of Mexico away from the danger, and they just float there until rescuers can find them. It's got a beacon going off. This device really parallels the truth of Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and strength. Sometimes your oil rig's falling down. Sometimes your house is on fire, and you feel the heat. You feel the tremors of life happening around you. God is our refuge. It doesn't mean that our world will stop falling apart. 
because it won't. This is a sinful, fallen world, and your world is always going to be falling apart just like mine is too because we live in a sinful world. You're never going to get to a place on this side of the grave where your world is not falling apart. We just got to reconcile that in our mind to understand that, that we're e either our world is falling apart or we just reconstructed because it fell apart or it's going to start falling apart tomorrow. We're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to enter into a storm. That's the course of life because we live in a sinful and fallen world. And so because God being our refuge and strength, it doesn't mean you're not going to experience difficulties. The rig might still topple in the hurricane. But Psalms 46 says that for those people who are in the right place, whether in a rescue module or in God as our refuge, then we're saved from the ultimate consequences of the storm. That's what it means that God is our refuge. See, those storms are still happening in Psalm 46. But there was nothing to fear because the storm couldn't touch them. For you, God is your refuge. The storm can't get you. You're safe. Let the storm take its course. Let it do what it may. But for you, you're in the safest place you could ever be because God is your refuge. He's your strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. So for us, because God promises to be our refuge and our strength, we don't fear. What is there to fear when you're safe? What is there to be afraid of when you know that God is holding your days and your life and your family and your health and your finances and your world? What is there to fear? Nothing. There's nothing to fear. So that means that we can commit our way to him and take rest. Because Psalms 46 is telling us that God's saying be still. Trust me. I got this. We're going to sing him invitation. As Jacqueline comes, and if you don't have God as your refuge, you need to jump in. You need to commit your life to him. Commit your home, your family, everything about yourself to him. Because he is our refuge and our strength. Let's stand together as we sing.